0: 15 seconds, guidance is internal 10, 9, ignition sequence start Space Nuts 5, 4, 3, 2 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1
1: Space Nuts
0: Astronauts report, it feels good
1: hello once again and thanks for joining space nuts my name is andrew dunkley and with me is always fred watson from the australian astronomical observatory hello fred
0: hello andrew how are you going
1: i'm really well yeah, really well good. uh now we've got a lot to talk about today and it's all focused on one planet and that planet is mars we'll be looking at the search for the sources of methane uh, there's also evidence uh, been discovered of a monster volcano that was um, the, the the eruption was for so long and was so massive it actually changed the uh, the axis of the planet from what I've uh, read, and we we're going to look at uh, one of the uh, most recent science fiction films that have uh, been released that I think a lot of people saw and uh, certainly captured their imaginations. That is the movie The Martian, and discuss science fiction versus reality, but we'll get to that later. First, though, this uh, the search for methane on Mars. Now, you and I have talked about methane on Mars before when they uh, originally detected it, and the problem is it shouldn't be there, and
0: now it's a matter of finding the source. Indeed, that's right. Um, yeah, the bottom line is you're quite right that uh, methane is present in Mars's atmosphere. It's been detected... Uh, both from uh, spacecraft, actually, Curiosity on Mars has detected methane uh, in Mars's atmosphere, but it's also been detected from the Earth, from Earth-based observations. And the problem with methane uh, is that it's something that uh, is dissociated. The atoms within the compound methane are dissociated by sunlight. So as the sun shines on Mars... Uh, the methane, if if the methane was something that was just there at the beginning it should be long gone because the Sun uh, will have basically uh, dissociated the the, the molecules. Uh, And The problem is it's clearly not long gone because we can measure it and so what that suggests is that uh, methane is being replenished somehow. Uh, The levels on Mars are much much smaller than they are here on Earth, a a, a thousand times less than we find on Earth. But Uh, the bottom line is that on Earth, most of the methane in the atmosphere comes from biological activity. Uh, And that, of course, raises the uh, the antennas of anybody interested in the search for life uh, beyond the Earth. If you've got methane on Mars, maybe it's coming from biological activity. There's a couple of other possibilities, actually. One is the Uh, the idea that it might be due to geological activity, volcanic activity. Hello, Mandu. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to keep Mandu quiet here. (laughs) He wants to comment on the methane. Fair enough. (laughs) The cat Mandu, there he is. Mm. Um, (laughs) So geological activity is one possible source of the methane. Uh, And another one, actually, is that it may be methane that's sort of been locked up in the ices underneath the surface of mars and is just gradually seeping out um, which again is a kind of semi-geological origin but uh, of course the real question is can this methane be due to biological activity Uh, microbes perhaps there are things called methanogenic microbes microbes that actually emit methane yeah it sounds unlikely but they do Uh, and the idea is to uh, fly a spacecraft and it was launched on the 14th of march uh, to, uh, to Mars, uh, place it in orbit around Mars and then sample the atmosphere in very great detail so that you can actually look for the telltale signs as to whether this methane is biological in origin or, or comes from another source. Is it
1: also possible that it could be volcanic in nature? Uh, we've always thought Mars is dead, but there's, you know, there's
0: some doubt over that. That's right. So that's the other the other main possibility. Um, so so the, the spacecraft in question is actually a joint European Russian project. It's called ExoMars. Uh, it will take until October to reach Mars, and then. The trace gas orbiter, which is the the thing that will smell the gas uh, in the atmosphere of Mars, uh, that will take a year to get into its final orbit. Uh, So it's actually a a long-range project. Uh, But the the spacecraft is carrying uh, another component, which is a lander, something that will land on Mars called Schiaparelli. That's the name of a very famous scientist of the 19th century who was uh, a great Mars uh, observer. Uh, The the lander will uh, touch down on Mars... And it's not really designed to do anything once it gets there. It's all about testing the technologies that are being used for landing on Mars, because in 2018, uh, ESA and Roscosmos, the Russian space agency, will launch um, a second mission, a second uh, ExoMars mission, which will have a rover on board that will actually drill down into the surface soil of Mars, looking for signs of life. I think the most disappointing conclusion,
1: if they find one, is... uh... Methane escaping from where it's trapped in ice. I think that would be the biggest <laughs> leak yes, out it, of a lot.
0: In, in in a sense, that's right. Um, if, it, but you know, it solves the the puzzle in science. You can you can never uh, prejudge what might come out of it. You can just get excited by what you discover. But even if that's the answer, Andrew, uh, you know, I bet you anything that it will raise more very intriguing questions about Mars. Questions that scientists want to find the answers to. It is certainly a planet that we. Uh, constantly paying attention to and asking
1: a lot of questions about and we're learning more and more and more but the the more we find out as is always the case with astronomy and science the more questions that come up so uh it, it will forever evolve i think
0: <laughs> sure that's right okay we checked all four
1: systems
0: and with space
1: nuts uh we're uh the space nuts andrew dunkley and fred watson thanks for joining us and, Fred, we're going to continue to look at Mars, but we're going to go back a long, long time. And there are as many questions, as we previously mentioned, coming up at, uh, about this discovery uh, as anything. And and that is the uh, discovery that uh, a lot of the surface of Mars uh, wasn't there a long, long time ago, but was the result of a massive monster volcano eruption that lasted, uh, well, a very long time and put enough uh, ejector on the surface of the planet to alter its tilt which is just mind-blowing.
0: Uh, it, it, it is, this is extraordinary uh, stuff. Uh, we've known uh, for, for a long time in fact ever since we've been able to map the the, the the surface features of Mars and that that is done very accurately now by orbiting spacecraft. We've known that uh, the western hemisphere of Mars Has uh, a very elevated, almost a plateau, uh, a region which is called the Tharsis region, T H A R S I S, uh, which is on average, I think it's something like 12 kilometers higher than uh, the than the rest of the surface it's a very very uh, large uh plateau of material uh, which is uh, dotted with uh, some spectacular volcanoes um, it's the most volcanically uh, active region of mars not today we don't think there is much activity on Mars today, hence our comments about methane. Uh, but um, it may, Mars has clearly been very active indeed. And one of those volcanoes, it's actually slightly off the plateau, but it's uh, certainly linked with the same uh, geological structure. One of them is the biggest volcano in the entire solar system. It's called Olympus Mons. Its height from, uh, from the, uh, the, the sort of uh, uh, ground level on which it sits to the caldera at the summit is 27 kilometers that's just
1: yes it, and and because
0: <laughs> of that it's it, it's it's a gradual um
1: grade from top to bottom so it covers a massive area it does that's right it's,
0: it's just a shield huge volcano, volcano. yes exactly
1: mm. i think they did a little doco once about climbing it they did a <laughs> okay. uh, sort of a
0: docudrama about people climbing olympus mons at one point uh it no doubt will happen one day but um, yes. at the moment uh, it stands there as a monument to the fact that mars's geological activity was very extensive and um, that there there is some um, You know, there's there's good reasons why Mars might have these supervolcanoes. Mars, unlike the Earth, doesn't have plate tectonics. So the the, the tectonic plates on Earth slide above and below one another and, uh, you know, dip down below each other. And if there's a hot spot... In the Earth's mantle, that's wanting to poke volcanic material through the crust, as happens in Hawaii, for example. Mm. Uh, then, because the plates are moving, that hotspot keeps popping through, but it's in different places on the surface crust of the planet. Um, with Mars, there is no plate tectonics; there's just one big uh, plate, in fact. And so, if you've got a hotspot, what happens is it never moves. The the material pokes its way up through the, the surface crust. And that's how Olympus Mons was formed. It's how this Tarsus Plateau has been formed. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, we kind of understand that, at least in general terms. But what is new, is, exactly as you've said, is that the, there is enough material there, and this is all 3.5 billion years ago when this eruption took place. It probably lasted a couple of hundred million years. There's enough material there to have tilted the planet slightly on its axis. In fact, more than slightly. It's probably between 25 and 30 degrees. And that makes sense when you look at some of the geological features on Mars that uh, that look as though they've been caused by running water. We know that Mars was warm and wet at that time in the past, mm. had rivers flowing, had coastal features. And um, those features all seem To be in the wrong place uh, in terms of latitude, and we, if we understand that Mars's axis has tilted, then we can understand them much better. So, this is a, a, definitely a breakthrough. And, and when you talk about the, the scale of this
1: event, you're talking about uh, the stuff that was erupted onto the surface of the planet being now 12. 12- kilometers thick <laughs> that 's right and and I, I think I read the measurement that it 's like a billion billion tons of material or or something to that effect just mind blowing numbers and that 's what 's caused the planet to to basically shift yeah and and I, I correct me if i 'm wrong, but they uh, if you compare it to Earth, if the same thing happened on earth it would mean that Paris is
0: inside the Arctic Circle. That's the sort of that's dramatic right. shift we're talking exactly about. Exactly that, yes. Um, two, two things there. Uh, it, it's actually, it's sort of the outer layers of Mars that have shifted. The bulk of the planet is probably, twisted on it. Yes, so. it's kind of twisted, that's right. And so the outer layers have, have changed in their position. Uh, and the other point is that uh, you're quite right about, you know, Paris being in the Arctic Circle if, if this was to happen on Earth. But the reason why it doesn't happen on Earth. Uh, Partly it's because there isn't uh, an equivalent region to the Tarsus plateau, but uh, what we do have here on Earth is a very massive moon and that stabilises the Earth's rotation. It's why the Earth's axial tilt has been very stable for very many uh, hundreds of millions of years, billions of years probably. There is slight movement but nothing like this that we're talking about on Mars.
1: And I suppose the final question in regard to this, because it throws up all sorts of questions and, and theories, but uh, we know, as you say, that Mars at one stage was a was a, a wet planet, a humid planet. Uh, there may have been some form of life on it. We don't know. We're still looking. But is it possible that this event was... What caused the extinction or the death
0: of the planet, as we know it now uh, it's uh, entirely possible that's right because uh, we uh, look we we don't know um, enough about the early history of Mars to know whether the conditions were perfect for life to evolve uh, we don't even know whether life automatically evolves when conditions are perfect uh, so uh, it is certainly, there are, there are geological periods recognized on Mars as there are on Earth, and it's thought that, um, I think it was the Noation period, I can't remember the details, uh, when uh, Mars is thought to have been warm and wet, and that That may be an epoch that was perhaps brought to an end by uh, this volcanic outpouring in the Tarsus region. Uh, It may be that um, the climate change that accompanied that was what set in process Mars's transformation from a warm, wet world uh, to a cold, dry one. Mm. All right. Uh, So
1: much more to learn, but uh, we'll we'll chip away at it over the years. That's right, indeed. You're listening to The Space Nuts with Andrew Dunkley and Fred Watson
0: space nuts
1: uh today our theme is the planet mars and we've been looking at the search for methane and the monster volcano that caused the planet to tilt billions of years ago Uh, now we're going to look at science fiction there have been a lot of movies made over the years uh, in regard to mars red planet mission to mars uh and and plenty more and most recently uh, a movie called The Martian. Now, this was about a uh, an astronaut, a mission to Mars that uh, went awry and they had to evacuate the planet. One of them supposedly didn't make it and was killed before he could get on the spaceship and escape. However, he did not die. That's the basis of the story and about him trying to survive on the planet stranded, waiting to be rescued. Now, Fred, you and I have seen this film. I absolutely loved it. Mm. I think it's one of the best sci-fi films that's been released in modern times, if if not ever. And uh, the the big question for me and a lot of people is, how feasible is this? Growing potatoes uh, or, or rationing your stocks to survive long enough for a rescue
0: mission to arrive? Um, you know, I think that side of it is... Uh, is pretty feasible it 's because it 's um, um it 's hydroponics you know it 's uh, things that have been studied quite well here on earth and the idea of um, of using uh, actually i think it was I think it was human waste that they used to fertilise them. Yes, exactly. Uh, there
1: so, were a few great uh, jokes involved in the
0: dialogue there. Yeah, it's not... Uh, yeah, that's right. It's not... Um, it's certainly not out of the question. I mean, I'm not a biologist, uh, as, as would be patently obvious to any biologists who are listening to these podcasts. My background is physics. But uh, certainly from what I've read and heard, I think that is a feasible possibility. That The movie did um, have one or two places where... Uh, well, there was one place in particular where I cringed visibly in my seat uh, because of the the liberties that were being taken with the the physics and the facts of Mars, and that was actually the bit where uh, the, the, there's a part where a part of the the habitation module that the astronaut is living in uh, basically overpressurizes and blows off its doors. Uh, it, it kind of there's lots of damage, and so to repair this damage, he. Uh, he puts a polythene sheet over the gaping hole, uh, held down with sticky tape, (laughs) and then breathes the atmosphere inside. Uh, That gaff tape's good stuff. Oh, it's good stuff, yeah, it would have to be, uh, because the pressure, the surface pressure on Mars is is about 1% of what it is here on Earth. And even if you allow for a reduction in pressure, which you certainly would do if you were working in an environment like that on Mars, it still means that um, gaffer tape and (laughs) and polystyrene sheets are not going to cut the mustard. there was also another bit where um, this polystyrene sheet was sort of blowing in the breeze, which I thought was slightly over the top. But look, by and large, uh, it was a pretty good representation of, uh, of what circumstances might be like uh, on Mars. And oh, I that, That's interesting, because we, we all know that um, you throw
1: out old potato cuttings, they'll grow. Yes, that's So right. we, we do know that that can happen, yes, and, and that's what he basically lived on for a long period of time. He, he grew potatoes in, in Martian soil with human waste mixed in to create but then he had to create water and yes, that right. uh, was difficult but he had hydrogen in the rocket fuel yep uh, and he had to um, uh, create a converter to uh, to create an atmosphere of, of water in a in a, a greenhouse environment and soak the
0: soil so could that work uh, I, I certainly if, if the technology was right if the you know if the parameters were um, uh, in, the, in the right ballpark yes it could work um, whether you could generate enough water rigging together things like that I'm not sure but uh, I know that um, you know, fuel cells which are devices that, uh, that um, basically use hydrogen and oxygen to, uh, to generate electricity and then produce water as well they, they are well established technologies so it's not impossible that that might be made to work Mm. And and I did love some of the... Um, whoever wrote
1: it obviously had a lot of fun creating the tension between him stranded on this planet and biologists on Earth telling him what to do. And he turns around and says things like, you know, I am the best biologist on this planet. <laughs> uh, <absolutely. laughs> I just thought that was magic. Yes, stuff. it's good stuff. It's a good, mm. good screenplay. <laughs> so we're sounding a bit like Mythbusters, but essentially...
0: Feasible. Yes, I think there's a tick that goes with that one.
1: All right. Fred, as always, good to talk to you. And we, we do encourage feedback. We've been getting people uh, writing to us and, and commenting on some of our uh, analysis and, and uh, remarks in recent weeks, and we do encourage that. And you can do that via Facebook. So just look for Space Nuts on Facebook and uh, let us know what you think of the program. Uh, is there anything you'd like us to tweak or uh, talk about? If you've got questions for Fred, he will not have a clue what the answer is, but ask them anyway. <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, stay in touch with us. We do love to hear from you. Fred, as always, it's been a great pleasure uh, to you and Mandu. Goodbye for now, Thank and you. we'll see you next week.
0: <laughs> Good to talk to you, Andrew. Space Nuts. You've been listening to the Space Nuts podcast. We've
1: been... Subscribe to the full podcast on iTunes, Audioboom and Stitcher or your favourite podcast distributor.
0: This has been another quality podcast production from tights.com.